As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Which, of course, means after this Thursday, I mean, it's amazing I'm not, like, at a at a bar just uh, tying one on. Because today was quite the day. I think, as we all know, those who paid attention throughout, I woke up at, like, 6.30 in the morning Chicago time, looked at my phone. I just randomly woke up, then looked at my phone, and there is a report from ESPN, a thorough, detailed report regarding Dan Snyder, uh, his his hold on this team, him trying to, well, let's just say, influence other owners. And the day went from there. Uh, it was a lot to get into, and I will, in fact, get into that on this podcast with one of the co-authors of that story, uh, Seth Wickersham from ESPN. I had a chance to talk to him on Thursday afternoon. I will play that uh, interview for you guys in just a few minutes. But then, of course, I was at a game tonight because this is why I'm in Chicago. The Commanders, I, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what to say. They somehow won that game 12-7. to Clearly, this is not a game that will be going to Canton uh, unless there's a you know ugly win hall of fame because this could be up there, but they did find a way to pull it out. I'll get into some thoughts on that and the other news and notes of the day here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes, Spotify, the Athletic app, ad free, or anywhere else you do your podcasting. I will have a story up by the time you hear this up on the Athletic about. Um, my thoughts on this game from a specific angle. David Aldridge was also with me in Chicago. He'll have a story up about Carson Wentz. So you can check all that on The Athletic. Subscribe there. You can still get the uh, subscription for a dollar a day. Just click on my article and you can subscribe there. Um, where to begin? I was trying to think, like, what is the headline of the day, right? I mean... The newsiest thing is is the ESPN report that we'll get into 
as I said in a few minutes. But the the, the basic gist for those who somehow didn't didn't uh, ESPN did an interesting job of tying together a lot of the different storylines we've talked about throughout the last you know year, two years, whatever. Whether it's about the stadium, whether it's about uh, Jason Wright's uh, status with the organization, whether it's the acquisition of Carson Wentz, Ron Rivera, but a lot of it, of course, focused on Dan Snyder and specifically the notion that Dan Snyder has uh, found ways to dig up, quote, dirt, end quote, on his fellow owners in an attempt to get them to side with him, um, basically to not go against him. Uh, fear of reprisal, fear of repercussions. We've talked about this to varying degrees over time. The idea that the other owners, you know, don't want to necessarily set a precedent by kicking out one of their own. And part of that is also in this specific case, the idea that Dan Snyder uh, wouldn't necessarily go quiet into the night. So um, that would seem to be the headline of the day. But the football is why we do why we do any of the things we do here and the commanders figured out a way to avoid a a five game losing streak with a 12 to 7 win they somehow won a game despite going 2 of 11 on third down despite Carson Wentz throwing for only 99 yards by being out despite being outgained 392 to 214 despite only one touchdown and despite the Bears completing their final pass of the day with the receiver Darnell Mooney landing on the goal line. And yet the commander still won because Mooney landed on the goal line and even hit the pylon, but the ball was outside of the goal line, didn't cross the plane. Great deep, great tackle by Benjamin St. Juice, who went up in the air with Mooney, and, and even though Mooney made the catch, was able to prevent him from getting in the end zone. Otherwise, uh, this team is one in five right now, and who knows what we're talking about going into this mini bye week. Um, kudos to the defense. Look, the Bears have a pretty, you know, terrible offense, but three times, but they did move the ball some against Washington for sure. Um, and three times they were inside the ten yard line, and yet came away with zero points. First time Justin Fields threw a ball that smacked F.A. Obata's helmet, and Jonathan Allen, of all people, came up with the interception, his first of his career. The next time the Bears, on like fourth and short, ran it uh, straight up the middle, got nowhere, right at the, right, right outside the goal line. And then the third time was the last drive of the game. So it was a, definitely a bend, but don't break scenario for the defense. And then you had Brian Robinson on a day in which, like I said, Carson Wentz threw for less than 100 yards. Uh, they finally got some offense going at times with the run game. Brian Robinson, who is, if you didn't already figure this out, is clearly the lead running back. Um, he had 60 yards, but more importantly, scored the game-winning touchdown um, in the fourth quarter. And that came two plays after the Bears muffed a punt. Uh, Trash Way had a big game, um, but muffed the punt. Christian Holmes recovered it, and then they scored the touchdown two plays later. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk more about the game and kind of the football side of this later in the week, I'll, I'll get somebody on from the beat to, to join me. We've got obviously a little extra time because of the mini bye week. Another potential headliner for this for this day, Ron Rivera's rant after the game. 
And, you know, look, needless to say, it's been a long week for Ron Rivera. I think in my story for The Athletic, I, I wrote something like, this week has probably felt like a year for Rivera, right? Because it starts on Monday with um, him making the, quote, quarterback, end quote, comment when asked about um, why the commanders are lagging behind the other teams in the NFC East. Because he didn't elaborate, it led a lot of people to just think, and I understand why, that he's talking about Carson Wentz, a guy who was constantly knocked, uh, you know, for his for for his limitations or whatever. Um, and by the way, I should mention Carson Wentz played this game with an ailing shoulder, and then he jammed his fingers when he was uh, on a follow through hitting a helmet. He's going to have an X ray, uh, but beyond that, he seems to think it was okay, and so. That situation brought up a lot of uh, distractions and focus and, 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 and conversation throughout the league about the team, about Rivera, about what he's saying there. And even if you, you know, for those like me who sort of buy that he was trying to explain it in very inartfully and I think incorrectly that the issue is that while he hasn't had a chance to build with a quarterback the way other teams in the division have, which, as we know, kind of really isn't the case either. I mean, Daniel Jones being the obvious example, not exactly a quarterback people are dying to build around. And it's also he's playing with a first-year coach, and somehow they are 4-1. and one. In any event, all that's happening. Um, you know, there's conversations about if they lose this game, what does that mean for Rivera's job status? I'm not saying that's a conversation being had in the building, but I'm just saying that's obviously been discussed publicly a lot going on and, and Rivera really uh, well he was fired up about the win he was frustrated about a few things like including like 12 men on the field penalty twice on the defense but they got the win but when he was asked about the Dan Snyder report and then specifically about this part about whether who, who wanted Carson Wentz? There was this notion in the, in the ESPN report that Dan Snyder wanted Wentz more than Rivera. Here's what Rivera had to say on all this uh, postgame. Okay. Al Michaels in the broadcast mentioned Dan Snyder and said what the league would love is for him to solve the team with one major problem around the league. Obviously, that was his quote during the broadcast. Okay. So I'm wondering, I know obviously you didn't hear that because you're coaching. Right. How, how, throughout today, how did you hear that news? Did it affect you? Um, no, because the truth of the matter is it's not important to me. Yeah, what's important to me is the guys in the room. And that's something I've been trying to establish. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get beyond all this stuff that's on the outside that's noise as far as I'm concerned. What I'm focusing on is the development of this football team. There's a group of young men in there that deserve better, okay, in terms of they, they should be acknowledged for what they've done, what they're doing. I don't want to get talking about something that I can't control anyways. I, I have no input. I have, I have nothing to do with that. What I want to do is everything in that room, and that's what I wish we could just stay focused on. And it's difficult. It's hard. But for whatever reason, we're going to stick to what's interesting, and that's playing football for our guys. Ron, you sound more fired up about, you've given some answers in the past about this, but you seem more fired up now. Is it just something about the circumstances, the way? No, what's important is these guys, okay? For the last couple of weeks, honestly, I'm going to speak my mind for a second. For honestly, uh, it's been hard. It really has. You lose four games in a row, and everybody wants to get you, you know, just get on you. And they've played their asses off. They have. they play their asses off for everybody. They come out, they show up, they work hard, all right? They don't complain, Okay. They hear all this stuff and they got to deal with it. I get that. And I respect them for that because they're resilient. They come out. 
Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bullshit. I'm the fucking guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking, when we were at Indianapolis. Okay? And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. All right, so um, we'll see, you know, in terms of the Snyder part of this, we'll see what happens going forward. I was told, um, first of all, I believe that Rivera was the one who pushed for Wentz. I thought that even before this rant from him. Um, And I've heard from somebody, I checked with somebody today who's – not somebody in the organization, but somebody who I, I think would know things, told me that he had been told that Dan Snyder has stayed out of football operations largely uh, during Rivera's time. Now, going forward, will that still be the case? I think that, to me, is more of the question. Um, I spoke with his attorney, John Brownlee, today, and he told me that, you know, as far as he knows, Dan Snyder is, un- is under no restrictions from uh, day-to-day operations, uh, which obviously, to some degree whether it was double secret probation or whatever, he was kind of on the sideline, um, you know, on purpose uh, based on uh, Roger Goodell. So we'll see what happens going forward with this, especially in light of the report from ESPN that was out there. Um, This wouldn't be the main headline, but it would be under normal circumstances. And that is the the report that William Jackson uh, supposedly has demanded a trade, specifically wanted to play for a team with a different system, i.e. he wants to be with a, a team that uses more man and Washington more of a zone team. Um, Jackson did not make the trip. He was declared out now technically with a back injury, but he, you know, as we I think all can witness by now, he was benched uh, during the week five game against Tennessee. Um, the idea of playing the, you know, Washington doesn't play exclusively zone, but a lot of teams don't anymore. In fact, I'm sorry, exclusively man, but a lot of teams don't, I believe a stat I saw and I don't have it in front of me, uh, so I don't know who to credit, but basically I think it was that, that Washington through five weeks had played the 10th most, uh, amount of man. Um, that said, clearly it has not been working here for William Jackson. It's been a struggle his, basically his whole time. Uh, we'll see if Washington actually does something before the November 1st trade deadline. And one thing to add on the Jackson situation, you know, obviously I checked around with sources after uh, NFL Network dropped that report. I don't know. When was that? Sometime Thursday morning. Um, kind of got a mixed bag of responses on it. Some, some It was hard to pin down exactly what what was taking place i had one source close to the situation tell me that no trade request had been made <clears throat> regardless ron rivera clearly didn't have any interest in discussing it post game we will have a chance to speak with the coach today uh, uh meaning uh, uh friday afternoon so presumably it will come up again there um like i said more to discuss big win in just at least in the sense that it Ends the four-game losing streak, keeps, you know, hope alive. But this offense is going to have to get a lot better before we're really talking about this team, uh, you know, making a, making a run here. But like I said, we'll talk more about this team later in the week. But right now, I want to get to my conversation with Seth Wickersham from ESPN. As I said, one of the co-authors of this 
interesting story. Um, I think a lot of the details, I think a lot of the, 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 the headlines we've already kind of discussed or have known, but there were some really interesting details, particularly about Jerry Jones. Let's get to that right now here on the Standard Grimaldi Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Uh, really appreciate our next guest joining us here. It's a busy day for him, and he, he made, made it a busy day for uh, uh, everybody on the Commander's Beat. Seth Wickersham with ESPN was uh, one of the authors on a new story up on ESPN.com today about Dan Snyder, his ownership tactics, what o- what other owners are thinking about possibly ousting him, and a lot more detail about what goes on in this organization and within the league regarding Dan Snyder. Uh, Seth, I appreciate the time on a busy day. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, like, you know, as, as we were discussing before we started, it's, you know, another day in commander's land. Uh, there's always, it's always something. I, I think I've just become numb to a degree at this point, but today was a day to, you know, perk up a bit because there was some, a lot of interesting information um, in the story that you guys put out today. Uh, just out of curiosity, how long have you guys, I mean, to, an, to a degree, I imagine you're work, you've been working on this for could be a couple of years because that's how long this part of the Snyder story has gone on, but for how long... Did you guys kind of work on this? I think you said you, you interviewed roughly like 30 people for the story. Yeah, it was off and on for a while. I mean, so there was three of us. It was Don Van Natta and Tisha Thompson and me. And we all have other things going on. So all of us were working on it off and on. But it really, really um, came into focus for us, uh, you know, the past couple months, I'd say. But, um, you know, it's like I said, it, there's just so much that's been going on and Tisha lives in DC. So she's been covering a lot of the things that have been going on with the team, the Ryan Vermillion saga, the stadium saga, some of the congressional things. And so um, it's hard to say exactly how long, but I'd say that we've been pretty locked in on it, um, you know, for the past two months or so, at least. <laughs> right. The, the fact that I was, when I was a kid, her Tisha Thompson's mother was a uh, big local reporter uh, for one of the local news TV stations makes me feel incredibly old now that we're, 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 we're <laughs> discussing a story that she is writing, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Like I said, there is a ton of information here. I would encourage anybody, if by the time this you're, you're hearing this, you have not read it yet, I encourage you to do so. Uh, pack a lunch. It's a long piece, but I, I found a lot of interesting details all the way through. Um, a lot of the details, of course, were also things we've all been discussing here at length um, o- over the course of the you know, last you know year or so. What for you kind of stands out in this piece as something that kind of helps maybe move the f- story forward and kind of sheds light onto what possibly could be coming next? Well, I think there's a lot. And I think that the question that we wanted to answer um, was how he survived. Why is he still the owner of the team, given all the scandals and all the inquiries and all of the the bad publicity um, and some of the business practices that are, you know, as an owner said, costing his fellow owners money. Why is Dan Snyder still the owner of the team? And um, I felt like that we were uniquely equipped 
to try to pursue that question. And it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer because the people who ultimately decide it are the owners and, you know, some of the league executives and executives around the league have insight into it. And those people are hard to get. Um, Don Van Nat and I have done a lot of stories over the years that really focus on what's said in those private meetings and what owners think from, you know, some of the relocation stories like the Rams and the Chargers and the Raiders to some of the Anthem stuff, the inmates running the prison comment, obviously, from Bob McNair to um, you know, when remember Jerry Jones sued the NFL to try to block Roger Goodell's contract extension. So we really try to focus hard on those that arena. And it, it's got a high degree of difficulty, but fortunately, we were given a lot of time to try to do it. And I think that we put together a story that really, I, I think, for the first time, gives a really deep and clear answer as to all the dynamics that are going on. Yeah, for, 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 for sure. And right off of the top, you know, you guys had a really good uh, quote here. The, the, the passage is that Snyder recently had told a close associate that he has gathered enough secrets to, quote, blow up, end quote, several NFL owners, the league office, and even Commissioner Roger Goodell. It goes on to say, quote, uh, this is from Snyder, quote, they can't F with me, he said privately. Um, good stuff right off the bat. And, like, I, I think, like, I've definitely heard, and I think others have sort of mentioned it in it locally as well, the idea of what, you know, you're saying, why are the, the league or the owner, other owners going after him? And this idea of, there's like two, there's two paths here. One is, some owners just are afraid of a precedent they could be setting. And two, that Dan Snyder mm -hmm. would not go into the night, uh, you know, quietly or whatever that uh, Shakespeare line is, whatever that is. Uh, is that kind of how ultimately as, as you went through this kind of the, kind of the point for you that like it, that it does seem like Dan Snyder would retaliate and that maybe he has set himself up to have a information to, to do just that. Well, I think that's the big question. And I think that, it's a question that nobody wants to exactly find the answer to among the owners. Now, Dan Snyder has told people they can't F with me. I know enough to blow up the league. He's told people that he's had executives and owners trailed by private investigators. That said, he may not have actually had them trailed. And we get at this in the story. And I think this is one of the most interesting things. He might be bluffing <laughs> and using it as kind of a scare tactic. And if that's the case, it's also working because a lot of the owners are worried about the precedent and we get into that. They are, they are worried about what dominoes will fall. And as, as you know, covering the NFL, as long as you have that the league likes to keep the status quo, like they don't move quickly on anything unless there's a profit to be made immediately. <laughs> that case, they move really fast, but otherwise they don't. And I think that like, that's what they're grappling with when it comes to Dan Snyder. Now, Dan Snyder's affinity for surveillance and private investigators is pretty well documented at this point. Right. And um, one of his law, you know, what they do is he doesn't commission private investigators. His lawyers commission them so that everything is kept attorney-client privilege. And one of his main law firms, Reed Smith, we have two sources with direct knowledge tracked Rob Manfred when they were representing Alex Rodriguez in his case against Major League Baseball. Now, Reed Smith said in our story that they are unaware of any private investigators following Goodell, executives, or owners, but there is a precedent for it. And that's the level of stakes that in this zero-sum game of billionaires that these guys are playing in. 
Yeah, no, uh, w- w- without without a doubt. Now, so speaking of the billionaire owners, um, Jerry Jones, a lot of mm-hmm. people think he basically is the guy that runs the league. I, d- I did a story, mm-hmm. um, NFL agent survey, I do it every year for, for the athletic. And one of the questions I asked this year was, who is the most powerful person in the league? And while Roger Goodell was the winner, a lot of people said cited Jerry Jones and that basically he's kind of running the show. And to that end with Snyder, the when there was a Snyder question in there, the point was basically as long as Jerry Jones is there, Dan Snyder is is good, um, which brings up to another interesting aspect of your story that maybe that connection is not as tight as we all thought. We just saw them on the field in Dallas in week four uh, taking pregame photos. The commanders immediately put that photo up on, on their on their social media. But your reporting suggests that maybe Jerry Jones is not as in Dan's corner as previously thought. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, um, Jerry Jones knows that Dan Snyder has a file on him. And someone close to Jerry Jones has said that Dan lost Jerry Jones, has lost him. Jerry Jones himself has told Dan Snyder that he might not be able to protect him. And to bring it full circle, um, we asked a representative for Jerry Jones if Dan Snyder had reached out to him about some of the stuff in our story. Because we've been talking with the commanders, you know, it was about a week before um, we published. And the spokesman for, for Jerry Jones declined comment, which I think is very revealing. It's a subtle point, but I think it's very revealing. And, you know, is, is Jerry Jones the most powerful owner in the NFL, most powerful presence? I don't know. But... He's very influential. That's definitely, that's not disputed at all. He tends to get what he wants. And the fact that Jerry Jones is angry with Dan Snyder, I think is a, is a big problem for Dan Snyder. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, my, my basic take throughout this time is I just don't see the owners either having the stomach or interest in voting out one of their own, but you're right. Jerry Jones is the kind of guy that can flip votes. And if he has gone the other way, then that would be pretty um fascinating um you mentioned that you guys have spoken with the organization um the i i got a a quote from a spokesperson after your story came out let me just read it to you really quick um Mm -hmm. quote it's hard to imagine a piece that is more categorically untrue and is clearly part of a well-funded two-year misinformation campaign to coerce the sale of the team which will continue to be successful and quote uh somebody texted me on the side and said that quote reads like it's a political campaign more than an NFL owner. And I have felt for a while that I'm covering the politics here. And I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that because I'm in DC, but what do you make of, uh, of, of that, uh, of that quote? I think you mean unsuccessful, not successful. <laughs> oh, did I say successful? Uh, yes. well, which will continue to be unsuccessful. Yes. That yes. would be, that would be some big breaking news in that statement. If that were the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unsuccessful. Yes. Sorry. I mean, look, the first part of the quote is in our story. I mean, it's the same thing that the spokesperson, and I think one of Snyder's law firms told us that they considered a lot of the stuff that we reported on to be categorically untrue. The second part, I have no idea what the spokesperson is talking about. And you'd have to ask the team for a follow-up because I honestly have no clue what they're talking about. Um, fair enough. Um, l- l- let me pivot to this because the, the basic focus for when people ask, what would it take to get Dan Snyder out? We, we always just mm-hmm. come back to takes 24 owners of the other 31 to, to vote him out. And we'll see what happens from there, whether, you know, things get tied up in courts and all that. We'll see. But you guys brought up another aspect of this, and that is the stadium and the funding mm-hmm. 
that comes with it. Now, we all, we've talked about it for, for months here about how everything has fallen apart with D.C., with Maryland, and then most notably Virginia, when it seemed like that was a path that could go with, with help from the state. Now, all those things at the moment seem to be off the table. But in your story, you talk about how teams typically get some help from the league and the other owners mm-hmm. with, with some funding. And we, this has been a big question is, does Dan Snyder have the, the, the finances to do any of these things, particularly if he can't get help from the states? I've kind of assumed no, especially after taking on those minorities, buying out the mm-hmm. minority partners. Tell us what you had in that story about this aspect of, of whether the stadium funding could be the linchpin to putting a sort of Dan Snyder into a corner. Okay, so I think this is really important. I'm glad you brought this up. And it takes a little bit to unpack. But owners within that circle, they are galled at the state of the team in the district. And the fact that, like, the stadium is falling apart. Fan, you know, it's just a morass with fans. That was a great fan base. And it irritates them that, the team's business and commercial viability there is so poor, even though the team releases numbers that, that indicate progress, that it costs them money. Like, and, and they are willing to forgive a lot of the cultural problems if he could get a stadium done. And Snyder knows that. And Snyder has long thought and told people that his silver bullets are a franchise quarterback and a new stadium. All right. So, for a while, it looked like that Snyder, in a unique American role, might be going from testifying from Congress about cultural problems and sexual harassment and assault and financial improprieties alleged to meeting with governors and getting into a, the middle of a bidding war for public funds to be dedicated to build a new stadium there. That completely fell apart. There, getting a stadium built is the hardest thing for an owner because most people are not like Stan Kroenke who can just write a check for the land and the stadium. And it's believed that Snyder, like most of his owners, would need some public money and some help. And he, the stadium right now is in a, as you know, like it's going nowhere. He is too toxic. And the fact that there's no solution in sight is something that some of the owners have talked about exploiting against him. And the NFL has strict rules about how much debt owners can carry. But when it comes to using to, to making building a stadium, they not only usually approve debt limit waivers, but they loan owners $200 million in what's called G4 funds. And the owners have, have talked about jamming him on those debt limit waivers to try to force a sale or maybe a permanent transfer into the um, into his wife Tanya's name. And while, you know, people would say, hey, how much does that really matter? It's still Snyder. You know, it might be the best they can do because as he said, he has no, he is not going to sell the team. So that's something that they've talked about. And it's one of the really, it might be easier to get 24 votes for them to jam him on debt limit waivers than it would be to vote him out. Right. And, that, and I think that's maybe sort of the point, right? Like if they truly decide they want to do this, like Roger Goodell is not putting this up for a vote if he doesn't believe he really, really, really has the votes and he may never potentially get there just as a straight vote. But this this may be a way to sort of make this uh, make this happen if they really wanted um, 
to go that. By the way, I'm, I'm, I don't remember if this was in your story, but I, I reported earlier, and I think others have as well, that there is not at this point a planned vote on Dan Snyder at Tuesday's uh, ownership meeting. Obviously, they could change their mind, but do you have any sense that like any action on any of this could come no, sooner? I mean, or no, now they might discuss him, and discussing him has even been difficult. Like, they don't do it very much, even in the closed-door meetings, what are called the privilege meetings, which are only owners. And it's often because Tanya Snyder is there, and they don't know how to have a honest conversation about the state of Washington if she's there. So it doesn't surprise me at all they're not going to have a vote. They haven't planned a vote on him, because if you read our story, it says in there that owners are unlikely to move until this Mary Jo White investigation commissioned by the league is set to come out, and... Snyder's kind of counting on that. Like time is kind of his friend. He sees it. He wants to run out the clock. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that that leaks because that's essentially what we forecast in the story. Yeah, no, uh, for, for sure. Uh, hypothetical for you here, since you've dug yep. into this, the idea of the debt limit that he, and this is, like I said, it's been a question around here is like how much money, liquid money, or just you know, in general, does Dan Snyder have, but that's like sort of not already tied in to this team. We've even been asking this question just in terms of the roster because they've been going very, after taking on Carson Wentz's contract, they've gone pretty light with adding anybody. And there's been some wonder, maybe is this a, 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 a sign from the ownership to saying, hey, chill out with spending. But putting that part aside, he owns, he and his family own 100% of the team. What if like he takes the part that he bought from the minority partners previously sells it to somebody else. Now, I don't know who this person would be, but sells it to somebody else. Maybe they even say, hey, this other person, if anything were to ever happen, could be the first in line to take over. Could he do that then with that new fund, with that new money, be able to either at a minimum lower his debt or use that to actually move forward with a new stadium? He already has the land in Landover. He, does, he doesn't have to go do anything else with anybody else. Maryland has said they'll help to a degree. So is that something that could potentially work? Potentially, but it's like stadiums are expensive and he's not talking about just building a stadium. He wants to have a version of like Patriot Place, right. <laughs> you know, where there's surrounding shopping and everything that those things are expensive. And, you know, it would take a lot to try to get him there. So, yeah, it's something he could do. He could also just not he could also just say like, hey, look, you owners are going to jam me on debt limit waivers. Fine. I'm just not going to build another stadium and let this thing continue to fall apart. Um, that's. Look, we have we have an we've an executive in the story who says that Dan Snyder is actually the most powerful owner in the NFL because these other owners are so skittish about him and unsure of what to do. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, a couple last questions, then I'll let you get out of here. Uh, there's you mentioned some of the there's business reasons why the owners may may want him out because you know he's taken a franchise that was once you know one of the more storied ones in the league, and the fan base is obviously not happy these days. But what about competitive reasons? If Washington stinks or just like they keep, they, you know, they, they, their ceiling is lower because of all of this stuff. It, By the way, for those who don't think it matters, it absolutely matters that these Dan Snyder controversies keep happening in terms of who they're allowed to hire, or who they're able to hire in all aspects of the football side. It's absolutely connected. But mm -hmm. for but, but competitive reasons, is there any think? Do you think any of these owners would say, "Yeah, I'd like to make more money, but we make a lot of money. I'd like this guy to continue to stink and this franchise to kind of go nowhere." So let's keep him around. Is there anything? You think there's yeah, anything people that? joke. People joke about that. Um, you know that. Hey, look, for people in the NFC East, it's not a bad thing to have Dan Snyder running that team. 
I don't know how serious that is over the long run, but it's definitely been something that people have joked about. Okay. And, and then lastly, you guys talked about uh, in the story that Dan Snyder may have been more involved in the Carson Wentz trade mm-hmm. than previously reported. I mean, my sense has been that he kind of has been away from the football side of things. I think that may be potentially changing, but you seem to s- had people saying that was not the case, that this was a Dan Snyder move. Can you just kind of elaborate on that? Well, it's a source with direct knowledge of it that says it was 100% a Dan Snyder move. Now, Ron Rivera told us through the team that it was his idea, but that he went to visit Dan and Tanya to talk to them about it, um, I believe in February. And so, um, you know, the fact that he was just talking to Dan about that, I think is really interesting. And where Dan stands right now, it's really, it's kind of one of the most interesting parts of the story, I think, that we don't get asked about a whole lot. Look, Roger Goodell has been very careful to say since July of 21, when he fined Dan $10 million and said that he was stepping away from day-to-day operations, that he has not termed it as a suspension. He said he was stepping away, even though it's kind of a suspension. The team told us that Dan has no restrictions on him whatsoever, and he can do whatever he wants. The league, meanwhile, says that he's under active investigation by Mary Jo White, and the restrictions are still in place. Dan Snyder asked Roger Goodell if he could attend league meetings. Roger said no. So where Dan stands, how involved he is, and um, you know what his role is going forward, I think are real big questions that are not only unanswered, but they're in a state of disagreement between the league and the team. 100%. Every time Ron Rivera has mentioned to us, hey, I, you know, we, I, I mentioned this to the Snyders, we're like, well, wait. Really? Because yeah. he's not supposed to be involved, but that's uh there was not a big there was not a big market for Carson Wentz. Right. Oh no, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. I think the commanders gave up more to get Carson Wentz than the Colts did to get Matt Ryan. Like I think that they did. I'm not like yeah. you can you can fact check me on that, but like no, they did. or all and, and remember Dan Snyder believes that all of his problems, he said to a confidant, all of my problems can be solved if I have a franchise quarterback. I think that like I'm not saying that Ron Rivera was opposed to the deal, but um, it bears all the markings of a classic Snyder deal. A hundred percent. I've said before, I understand why they felt they had to get a quarterback and maybe Wentz was the best guy, but why I don't understand why they had to pay sticker price, full sticker price for a guy who clearly was not wanted in Indianapolis anymore. And that's, and that does kind of jive with what you're um you're, you're, you're talking about um well Seth look a great uh, a really great story impressed by the by, by the amount of sourcing that you guys did so I appreciate that and I, I'm sure commanders fans do as well they everybody as is he asking I can hear it in my ear they're asking me to ask you one last thing do you think he ever gets forced out because ultimately that's all this all the families really cares about um I just don't know I I wish that I could give you a great answer that is the question I, I simply don't know. I wouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me if they figure out a way for him to for Tanya to be the one running the team. But who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we will see. All right. At Seth Wickersham on Twitter. And as I mentioned in the uh, introduction before I brought you in, you are uh, the author of the book. It's better to be feared the New England Patriots dynasty and the pursuit of greatness. Literally, you've written about the. <laughs> the best franchise in the league for the last 20 years. And now today you guys have a story on the worst franchise probably in the league over the last 20 years. So you really are hitting all spectrums of the NFL. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it just came out on paperback. It was funny. Yesterday was my one-year anniversary of the book coming out. It was my book anniversary, So that was cool. And, you know, maybe some of your listeners will read it and, and it'll bring back memories of the 80s and early 90s Washington teams. Can, better days for sure. Seth, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, man.